Good evening, you're watching Stockwatch with me, Zinati Kuma. And joining me to unpack your stock-related questions this evening are Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss and Zuela Kemguni from Benguela Global Fund Managers. Uh, do send those questions via SMS to 41392, email us at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thanks so much for your time, gents. And uh, I guess the big news for the day on the macroeconomy front is uh, the China stimulus measures um, that have been outlined at that Politburo meeting. Gary, I mean, investors have been going on about how uh, uh, these measures should be coming surely to shore up the economy because we have seen the disappointing economic data that kept on coming time and time again. So it was expected, but I'm wondering why such this, uh, a big reaction on the market as if it wasn't really expected. Just uh, some of the risk premium coming out of the, the market. I mean, I think it was hoped for, but it, you know, with, with China and whenever you're dealing with uh, Politburo decisions, uh, there's always a risk that it goes the other way. And uh, when you actually see decisions being made, that, that risk premium comes out and, and the market reacts positively. So we saw the Hang Seng up over 4% this morning, but I also think it's got something to do with uh, the new central bank governor, Pan Gongsheng, I think is how you say his name. Mm -hmm. um, and he's, you know, essentially taken, taken charge of the PBOC and, and he really is, 60 years old, but a very steady pair of hands. Uh, he's worked, uh, you know, within the, uh, you know, some of the most important, uh, I suppose, banking uh, frameworks within China. He, he was part of the uh, restructuring of ICBC, for example. Um, he's overseen, you know, basically the, you know, he's been the, one of the top uh, foreign exchange regulators. So, I mean, essentially managing one of the, the biggest uh, foreign exchange pools through Yuan in, in the world. And, you know, I think it's a safe pair of hands that, that has been chosen. I think the market might be reacting to that as well. Um, um, just given the, the underlying stresses in the, in the Chinese financial system, we know that there, there are big issues within the Chinese banking system. We know that uh, you know there's there's a lot of question marks around uh, the property the property sector as well. And uh, looser looser measures uh, in China or more accommodative monetary policy, I think, is going to go a long way to to shoring up uh, you know I suppose uh, Chinese output. And that's as well as a very good good thing for South African stocks and certainly a very good thing for South African mining stocks as well. Even though it is moving towards a service driven economy still a key trading partner for south africa so i think uh, good good news for us too well thank you for pointing that out that it is good for some for our south african miners um, we did see them performing quite well today uh, even kumba that uh, brought out its numbers today which um uh, the, the the growth numbers weren't really great um Zulake, i'm wondering uh you know, considering the companies that will, particularly on the JSC, that will benefit from the stimulus from China, especially on the property sector, uh, which counters uh, do you have your tentacles on right now? Look, I, I'll probably say the first thing is that I'd be very cautious about getting you overly excited about the Chinese uh, uh, developments. I think they're probably trying to stave off a total collapse rather than maybe the stimulation could be a major driver of demand. I mean, they're trying to basically balance their books. I think I think if we look at the the, the situation as it is, uh, you probably will see some support for some of the uh, uh, iron ore producers, uh, uh, Kumba, and and probably the manganese guys. Uh, but 
I think we have to be very, very cautious about getting overly excited about that. I think we still need the rest of the world's economy to basically uh, pick up momentum. And I think where we are, we actually headed for a slowdown rather than the, the point where we would pick up momentum. But China could help us smooth the ride a little bit. Uh, quite interesting that you say that, Zolake, because I think just last month, Goldman Sachs said that they spoke to their clients in China, and those clients actually said that uh, the stimulus measures that they are expecting, they're not really expecting big stimulus measures to boost the economy, but they're expecting those stimulus measures to kind of mitigate uh, the challenges, the headwinds that the economy is facing. Uh, Gary, uh, what do you say uh, about that? Um, do you agree, or are you a little bit more optimistic? But also just looking at the economy's outside of China? Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what to say. So, <laughs> um, yeah, look at, looking at, I mean, I think the, the base case for China, I mean, China, you know, is, it's a risky jurisdiction. There's no, there's no question about that. Uh, you know, there's, there's big, uh, there's exciting factors to investing within China. Um, and there's obviously big, big drawbacks as well. I mean, you know, if you look longer term, if you look out, say, say 10, 15 years, maybe 20 years, uh, you know, there's a big demographic problem within China as well. And, and we kind of chatted about some of the regulatory issues. Investing outside of China, looking at the rest of the emerging markets, um, yeah, they, they are interesting ways, but the, the access is maybe a little bit more tricky. So if you're looking at the likes of India or Latin America, it's, it's more difficult for listed uh, investors to get access to that. Uh, it's not, not as prevalent. There aren't as many ADRs listed on, let's say, a, you know, a nice regulated market like the, um, uh, like the New York Stock Exchange, for example. So it's a little bit more difficult to get exposure. Um, generally, if you're looking at specific funds uh, or, or ETF products that are specialist to, to get into other emerging markets, it's, it's also, they, they tend to be slightly more expensive. So yeah, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, we have bottom-up stock pickers on this show. So <laughs> it comes down to, yes, we can talk, we can talk about the macro, uh, the macro picture, but what we want to do is go and find those uh, really good quality companies that, that will perform in any jurisdiction. Ah, so right. that's, that's what they, that's what we want to do. All right. So since we're on the commodities train, there's a question here. I currently hold shares in Exaro, Anglo-American, Glencore, Kumba, Sibanya and Tungela. My question is, should I hold at these current levels or should I increase my holdings? Um, so Exaro, Anglo-American, Glencore, Kumba, Sibanya and Tungela. Um, yeah. Would you be holding? Uh, would you be uh, adding uh, in your position, uh, or would you be? Would there be certain counters in which you'd be increasing your exposure to? Look, I'd probably go with Anglo American. I think uh, it's a diversified portfolio. I think it's it's far more safer than uh, just uh, making a ride on one 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 commodity. So that 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 could create a bit of a bumpy ride. But I certainly go with the uh, Anglo American at this stage. I think they are. Their copper project is coming along nicely in, in Chile. And they've got, uh, I mean, Kumba, as you can see, it's doing relatively well. I think uh, M-Plus uh, has struggles, but uh, it looks like, uh, you know, they're getting close to the bottom of that of that cycle. And then the, the DBS business is also doing uh, Okay, I mean, they managed to cut a deal with Botswana government. I think uh, the continuation, they would give them uh, quite a nice steady flow of cash. So I'd probably go with the uh, uh, Anglo-American than uh, many of those companies listed. Ah, uh, On your side, Gary, um, uh, Zolake says that he'd be uh, going into Anglo-American, maybe increasing his share. Exaro, Anglo-American, Glencore, Kumba, Sabanya, Tungela. Would you be picking any of those, adding your uh, uh, exposure to any of those? 
Well, I think the viewer must have had a great day today. I mean, we've got yeah. Kumba up 11.5%. Uh, we've got Anglo-American obviously feeding off that as well. Yeah, up almost 5%. Xara up 3.3%. So I think this viewer is probably pretty happy with today's performance. But of course, it's not about one day. It's about yeah. uh, where we are in the commodity cycle as well. And a lot of these companies have been under a lot of pressure. So if you look at something like Tungela, obviously, coal prices have come down. You know, it was it was the, the stock to buy, uh, you know, the last couple of years. But uh, eventually, you know, we've seen supply chains readjust around uh, uh, you know, specifically energy prices and, and that international coal price coming down. Uh, that's obviously, you know, if, you know affected its uh, sales figures. And and then, of course, you know, if you look at Kumba, Anglo, anything that's operating within South Africa, we've got those logistical challenges as well of actually trying to sell to trying to sell our, our ore uh, internationally in, in the case of Kumba. I mean, obviously, they were reporting today. But just on Tugela, you know, I was, I was just checking the, the, the news feeds here. I, I mean, it's been it's also been picking up a couple of downgrades from the big banks uh, and, and some of the, the other research houses. So, you know, Citigroup has cut its target price um, to, you know, it's interesting because yeah. you know from where Tungel is trading now they've cut it to you know from eight eight uh, eight pounds fifty to to eight pounds ten uh, Tungela trading at about one hundred and forty two at the moment so I mean that's still a, you know giving you a nice implied upside I mean you know I think those analysts may be lagging on what the underlying market is pricing so if you kind of do the pound conversion they're looking for about one hundred and eighty three rand a share uh, you look at Liberium as well they uh, they also they've they've cut their target from around fourteen forty pounds uh, per share down to twelve seventy five so looking for around two hundred 88 rand a share, so still still significantly higher, and those estimates just recently put into to the market. So maybe still a little bit of value in something like Tungela, but you need, you, you know, as, as well like you were saying, you know, if you're going into these single commodity counters, you're going to be at the whims of what the underlying supply and demand is in the market, and unless your underlying commodity performs, you, you know, you're going to struggle. Uh, mm-hmm. But the nice thing is when when it does perform, you, you make those super normal profits. So uh, Tungela, I think we've spoken about Kumba Iron Ore. You know, we we, we saw the results today. I mean, massive tick up. On, on the share price, and that's because I think you know, a lot of the, the, the negativity has been priced into these shares as well. Mm. Anglo is, like you said, nice diversified play. Uh, Xara also, you know, kind of uh, reacting to that, but also you're going to have uh, logistical issues. You're going to face uh, kind of the, the coal prices that, that we have. Uh, and then, yeah, Sabania, Sabania, still in my portfolio. I'd still hold it in my portfolio. I like, I like the team. Um, yes, I mean, I think the commodity cycle has slumped, and, and that's why you're, you're seeing a little bit of a drawdown. We haven't seen great PGM prices. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, they're clever operators, and hopefully, you know, as, as we see a pickup in EV demand, uh, you know, their strategic decisions that they're making now uh, will pay off for them. And, uh, and yeah, I would still I would still hold Sabania in, in a portfolio, mm. yes. Yeah, indeed, great day for those miners, as I see there in the top five major moves. Kumba Iron Ore up 12%. Anglo-American 5%, South 32, 4.2%, and BHP 4%. So very, very good day for those today. Uh, Uh, I like like Gary's uh, clever operator's uh, comment on Sibani. I'll leave it there. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Um, I don't know how much time we have until the break, but let's quickly squeeze in 91. Is there any chance that management will take 91 uh, private Sends shows significant buying by trust held by various directors. Uh, Zulaika, do you have any insight on that? Look, I don't, I don't have any insight. I mean, uh, I think it's a good business, right? But but it, it does tend to be pegged to what the market is doing. And I think the market across global uh, asset management, the market hasn't been so great for, for those stocks. So I wouldn't be surprised if they try and take it private. But I don't know if uh, it would be 
uh, uh, with uh, the the effort at, at this stage. I mean, you you could lose AUM and and end up needing to be back on the market and raise capital just to to plug the hole. It's a highly profitable business, mm -hmm. so it can it can be taken out privately. Uh, Gary, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I was just looking at the ownership structure at the moment. So it's a 20% uh, of outstanding shares are, are owned by 42.2, which are, uh, it's a Mauritian based uh, company. Mm. Um, but then again, you've got nine, you know, almost 10% uh, is held by the Public Investment Corporation. Vestex still holds uh, around 15%. Uh, you know, Coro holds, uh, you know, they're in at about 2.6%. So, um, yeah, it, it's, I suppose it's not unheard of. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think 91, I mean, like, so like you're saying, 91 is a great business, although they have seen obviously big, uh, big net outflows. Uh, you know, they kind of saw around, um, you know, outflows of around, I think it was 250 uh, billion mm. uh, rand uh, in 2023, which is, which is significant for, for a company like that. And I think that the financial landscape is, is changing for asset managers. I mean, there's a lot of competing financial products out there and, and the kind of more traditional, um, you know, list, list type, type, uh, structures uh, are suffering. They're also not particularly high margin businesses. So, I mean, I think the asset management world is trading. I mean, the JSC is uh, allowing actively managed ETFs now. Um, <laughs> there's all sorts of, uh, there's all sorts of different types of access that clients can get. So, you know, the financial landscape is a competitive place. And, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. To the viewer's question, it's quite possible that there is a management buyout, but I need to go and do some, some more work on, on who, who the buyers and sellers are behind the scenes. I haven't actually looked at 91 uh... from, a, from a takeout point of view recently so yeah i think but but definitely a good business overall um and if there's going to be a management buyout hopefully share this the you know, smaller shareholders uh, retail shareholders can get a little bit of a, a pop in their share price uh, yeah. if they uh, offer offer to everyone at a premium uh, very interesting observation there by the viewer let's move on uh to mobility uh zida with an a uh is zida's financial risk tolerable Noted they have low cash uh, com uh, compared to their working capital uh, requirements. Would the stock be a good investment case for the long run? Uh, of course, I've seen a lot of analysts quite worried about uh, their debt. Uh, what are you thinking about their financial risk? Uh, would this be one that people can live with, uh, Zulag, or you can live with, rather? <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, I, I, I haven't looked at it very closely, but I mean, I, I don't think it is abnormal for these type of businesses to be uh, geared but i do think that they they have gone a little uh, uh, too far and, and predominantly because you know if their cycle turns against them you know that they, they, they would be quite vulnerable that that would be the only concern i'd have at this stage about their their debt is that if the cycle goes against them the 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 debt will amplify the problems right if we manage to get through this, I think I think they they've got the decent portfolio of businesses that uh, may still continue to to perform I into the future. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think from a lot of people, the, the portfolio isn't really something that uh, analysts are concerned about. Uh, maybe a few hiccups here and there. Um, Gary, do you think this could be a good investment in the long run or not? 
Well, I suppose it's, it's coming down to whether or not uh, you, you like the valuation here. So, I mean, remember this, this uh, you know, unbundled, uh, you know, fairly recently. And I mean, we were trading up at sort of 16, 17. I remember I actually attended the, the listing and uh, I, mean, I kind of looked at it at that stage. I mean, we watched all the presentations and we thought, you know, I mean, they're nice brands. I mean, Avis and Budget, you know, they're very well recognizable. You kind of listen to the new, you know, the, the new strategy for, from, from the CEO about how potentially they're going to try and target people for vehicle, you know, instead of vehicle ownership, yeah. you know, make the case that you can just rent permanently. You know, I mean, yes, we're coming out of COVID where car rental has been in, in an incredibly difficult position. So, you know, maybe getting creative is the right way. But I remember thinking at 16, this is very, very expensive and kind of thinking that on the listing, this is maybe something to pick up a short on. Uh, bef- I was actually going to write it for you, for your guys' channel. And then before I knew okay. it, it was down at 12 Rand. Uh, I thought, oh, I can't, we can't, we can't go short here now because it's probably <laughs> showing a little bit of value. Yeah. I, I see it's down to, 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 to nine rand eighty um, today, uh, so so it's cheaper. And now I'm starting to think like, is the, is there a little bit of uh, value to be had? But I mean, I take the the point on the debt. I mean, it's got six point two billion in debt, a market cap of, of around one point eight billion. That's a high debt load in a in a high interest environment. So you know, as as well, like you said, you need to get through the cycle. You know, you need to you know, if they refinancing, a, you know. At these levels, it's it's going to impact their their bottom line. There's no question about that. Mm. So, um, it's I think it's very speculative. Hey? <laughs> you got you got to be very brave to be going into CD here. But like I said, I, I kind of pegged I kind of pegged it at around like between 10 and 12. I thought is where the stock would settle. Okay. We're now you know slightly below that range. So maybe starting, but personally, not not I probably wouldn't be brave enough to be picking it up just yet. And and also just given the I suppose the the, the lack of interest in in our kind of mid cap smaller mid cap stocks you know yeah. it, it 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 might you know like even though it gets through and the business turns around and we see interest rates coming down you know hopefully in the next say nine months this will put the company on a very good footing we see you know but yeah our rand is maybe a little bit weak we see travelers coming back we see people renting cars again tourism picking up you know, you can clearly see where the bull case for the stock is going to be, but who is going to come and buy this? Who, who, who are the investors that are going to bid this up to 17, 18, 20 rand? Mm. That's kind of where I'm struggling. Maybe it's also going to be a takeout target. I mean, that seems to be what happens to us small and mid cap stocks. Maybe, you know, it's just unbundled. Will it, will it be taken off the market so soon? Probably not. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah like I said, for the brave, definitely yeah. for the brave. All right. There's an interesting question here. Um, is there any risk with holding Pepcor related to Steinhoff proceedings, Zulake, that you know of? Not really. I mean, I, I, I think that the, the only risk is that I mean, the share price uh, could come under pressure if they don't have a big uh, block buyer uh, of, of the Steinhoff shares uh, or the creditors basically just dump the stock. I think that could be a risk uh, in that scenario, but I think... I mean, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I'd be more concerned about the operational uh, numbers that are coming through. And they don't look to be too bad at this stage. I think they need to resolve that overhang to be able to to move on with their lives uh, and, and leave uh, their start of story behind them. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on um, to uh, property investment holding company, uh, RMH, uh, RMB Holdings. Um, please may the panel give me an input about RMH if I should invest or wait a little longer. Um, I actually saw the stock was uh, up slightly, I think about 2% today. There have been some um, 
things that have been happening with a, a voice recording that was released um, unintentionally. And there's also uh, some things, some issues that uh, and, um, uh, um, what is, an activist investor has had with the company. So quite a lot of things that seem to be happening there. Uh, but j just based on fundamentals, R&B uh, Holdings, Gary, would this be one that you would be going into? Yeah, probably not. I'm just I'm reading I'm reading the cautionary update now around uh, a private conversation yes. between CEO Brian and CFO Ellen Murray. Uh, you know, not meant to be disseminated to the markets on the 11th of July. Has no uh, impact yeah, it's, on the it's price. Always, it's always a little bit embarrassing, I guess. <laughs> that kind of stuff happens, but it does happen. So yeah, um, you know, I, I can't talk to RMH. I mean, obviously, it's got Atterbury underneath that, which which is an interesting business, but. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the bigger thing is, is, is now the time to buy, you know, prop, prop property in South Africa. You know, it, you know, where are we in the interest rate cycle? You know, traditionally, if interest rates come down, that's going to be very, very positive for property. And I, I do feel like the, the viewer is right. We're, we're getting to the point where, where you should be looking to accumulate these property assets. They haven't, they haven't re-rated in any shape or form. There's such negativity around property in general. But I think you, you've just got to be careful, whichever property company you're looking at, you know, I think there's been a big disconnect between the, the, the different segments within properties. So, you know, a commercial is still under a huge amount of pressure. You know, internationally, for example, this, this kind of commercial real estate bubble we're, we're, that we're hearing about and the, the systemic risk that it's posing just, you know, in, in the new environment where people work from home, there's more flexibility. People People want to like populations have dispersed. I think mm -hmm. the com anything with commercial um, real estate exposure, I think just be a little bit more cautious of. But on the other hand, anything with retail exposure is is actually looking pretty exciting, especially in South Africa, where we get load shed all the time, and then suddenly you go, hey, what am I going to do? I'll go to the shopping mall and walk around, and maybe I end up buying something. And yeah. you kind of get the sense that all the the the, the retail focused REITs, at least, are are looking pretty good. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, RMH specifically, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I can comment on that, but there are some, there are, it's not one of the ones that we've got on our buy list at the moment, but there are some very interesting South African property companies that, that are starting to look attractive. We haven't been plugging money in just yet, but I think within the next six, six to nine months, uh, you're going to see a bottom in South African property. Interest rates start coming down, as I said, kind of yeah. early, mid next year, and suddenly you might see a, a nice re-rating in those stocks. Yeah, all right. Uh, well, let's quickly get to your stock picks uh, for our viewers there have been questions that are coming through but don't worry I will be back tomorrow uh, Gary quickly your stock pick for today I'm gonna go with Amgen which is uh, kind of a it's an international pick uh, global biotech uh, and, and therapeutics company um, you know it's a nice dividend deal that you know it's it, it, to an extent it's a technical pick for guys that are looking to trade uh, trade the US market uh, you'll see there's a beautiful uh, kind of declining resistance line that's just broken um, that looks like it can easily uh, kind of break out um, the business uh, you, you know obviously it's I mean if for those that don't know it I mean it's mainly US a uh, US based uh, pharma business uh, it's got uh, um, at least products like Enbrel is one of the, the bigger blockbuster drugs. Um, and I think, you know, biotech is a, is a segment that, you know, it is slightly defensive. It's got a good dividend yield. Uh, it's sitting at about 3.6% uh, dividend yield, which is almost twice what the S&P 500 has. You've got that kind of like technical capital bounce that you can go in. Um, it's going to be reporting on the 4th of August that so we're going to get a little bit more view of what's happening underneath the company. But, uh, you know, of course, there's always the competition that you have in the, in the biotech space. You've got biosimilars and all of that. 
but this is one of the juggernauts in the industry. Um, and, you know, essentially they, they buy out and, and they buy out their competitors. Yeah. And if they have a good molecule underneath, you know, I can expect new blockbuster drugs to be coming on stream. That's, that's kind of how the pharmaceutical, it's almost like a Microsoft in tech. This is like in pharma, not quite a Microsoft equivalent, but you know, the little yeah. biotech companies get bought out by guys like Amgen and then turned into, turned into blockbuster drugs. So uh, I like it. It's, uh, it looks like a good technical entry point, down 10% for the year. Yeah. I'd be adding it to portfolios. All right. Zolake, what is your blockbuster stock pick for today? Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have a blockbuster. I've got like a run-of-mill business, mm -hmm. but that is high quality. So um, I'm going with Teleperformance, the uh, French-based uh, company that is uh, in the uh, outsourcing market. So they run uh, call centers uh, worldwide, about 400,000 people. And um, the business has been able to, to grow through uh, partly acquisitions, but also they, they've been able to take out the cost through the use of technology. They, the stock is trading at probably just under, uh, just over 10 times, and the long term was probably around 20 times. It is looking like it's getting quite a big benefit from the global market as companies are looking to cut costs uh, due to the slowdown. They're basically getting some some traction there, and we've seen that the the numbers, the productivity numbers, are increasing significantly. So it's a stock that I'll, I'll probably go with today. Ah, all right. Thank you so much for your time, gents. Really appreciate it. That's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guests Gary Boyson from Rancis and Zolak Mguni from Benguela Global Fund Managers. Up next, I bring you the close with Bloomberg. Stay watching. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.